On today's episode of Rice, we'll be discussing the pressure to overachieve and perfectionism and tackle hot topics including Cardi B's WAP and Kamala Harris as VP. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to the Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for Gay Super Cute Asians. And on the panel, we have Leonard Chan. Hello! And Jennifer Shang. Everyone! Um, okay, so let's jump straight into it. Um, we are going to start off with our main topic. And our main topic this week is the pressure to overachieve and perfectionism within Asian culture. Let's uh, head on over to uh, Leonard first. And uh, what pressures did you feel growing up um, to overachieve? Um, well, I'm Asian. I'm an only child. So... Everything rested on me. But you know what? It, honestly, I didn't feel pressure to overachieve. It was just basically like, you know, it, like my plans never deviated from what my parents wanted. So it kind of worked out. <laughs> <laughs> like there was never a question. Like it's like, I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to get a job and I will work and then I will die. That's the Asian way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, it just kind of, that's all I, you know, I never felt like a pressure to overachieve. I also never really liked the term overachieve, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Like if you achieved it, you achieved it, right? You didn't achieve more than you, what you were capable. Because if you achieved it, you're clearly capable of it. Like I think people can definitely underachieve. I know quite a few of those people. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, basically, like Asian parenting, I think the hallmark of Asian parenting is they just make you work really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you don't want, even you don't like the thing you're doing. And then you get, you know, you get good at it. And then when you get good at it, you understand what it feels like to be good at a thing and reap the rewards of excellence. And then it makes you want to be more good at things. Mm. And so, yeah, that's basically, you know, when I, whenever I'm doing anything, it's just, I just want to be good at it. Mm. You know? So like, but yeah, there's never like a, oh, my parents are like, you got to do this. You got to do that. Mm. Um, I mean, they weren't thrilled when I started doing comedy as a career, <laughs> but I had already done all the other things, right? I was already a good Asian for like 40 years before mm. that, okay? You know, like I have two degrees in engineering and, you know, I spent like 15, 20 years like having an actual career. Like I ran the division of a company for a while. So I did all that, mm. living the second half my way. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I have like a, a like a similar story. I just kind of naturally overachieved anyway. Um, so the pressure didn't totally come from my parents. It probably came from me more than from my parents. Um, yeah. I I would say though that like, you know, the pressure to overachieve wasn't um, wasn't evenly distributed within my family. Like we are compartmentalized, and in some ways it's really harsh because very early on I was. Um, I was anointed as the quote unquote smart one. So I was the one, I didn't have to do any chores. They didn't have oh, to you do got anything. The, you got the, the brains and the looks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go with it. Um, Cause I, 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 I you know, I, I love to be humble, but I, I don't disagree. Um, but um, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, it did, it was bad on like say maybe my my brother because he was you know not seen as as the smart one right away so he got all the chores and there was like inner resentment so i'm not sure how it is in other asian families but for us it was more like if they saw potential then they'd really like invest in you like when i was in high school it was like you know don't get a job don't you know, don't even clean your room. We'll do everything as long as you get good grades. That's all you have to worry about. Um, but I, I would say I probably felt more pressure from the Laos community more than I did from my parents because at that time I grew up. I know I talk about this every episode, but I grew up in the ghetto. <laughs> Very <laughs> rough neighborhood. <laughs> you know, your brand, it, your ghetto. Your brand is ghetto. <laughs> you know, murder capital, murder capital of Canada, Winnipeg. And thing is, um, the the Lao community. You know, we were all refugees, war refugees, um, living in poverty. So, 
you know, there were quite a few people from the Lao community who were joining gangs. And, you know, we were always in the news for the worst things, like literally for like murder, for like stabbing 80 year old women, for like stealing oh, a wheelchair for no reason. And so because I was always in the newspaper for like winning like really ridiculous competitions, like the website did design championship, the Winnipeg typing championship, just like crazy, ridiculous shit. So. Hmm. I started to feel pressure because it was like my community ever since I was like maybe, you know, early elementary sort of trouted me out there um, at, at all these um, like whenever they could, they would trout me out there as like this example of how the community isn't like just totally corrupt. Like when we would have like Lao New Year or Thai New Year, we knew there'd be like government officials. So they would like kind of parade me around. And then even with my friends, you were the little chess champion in the Joy Luck Club. Pretty yeah. much, pretty much, and like <laughs> that was you. Everybody's walking around with a magazine with your face on it, being like, "Look, I performed it, typing champion." <laughs> you know what? It, it was so true because, like, so my my friends they would actually tell me that their parents had like clippings of me from the newspaper that they kept in like scrapbooks. And, like, they were forced to go to the schools I went to because I was, like, setting a good example. So it was, like, all this, like, crazy pressure. And even from communities that weren't even mine, like, I won the, um, I won the uh, Filipino scholarship for, like, <laughs> <laughs> like fully paid post-education. And I felt so guilty I had to give it back because, like, half my school was Filipino. And I was, like, you couldn't give it to one of the actual Filipinos. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so that was sort of my journey. And, um, you know, unlike, um, I, I, for, I forget her name from um, from the Joy Luck Club, um, like, un, unlike her, where she kind of shrunk, um, for me, that's where a lot of my personality came from, was like, I was not willing to be ashamed of being successful. So very early, and I know it sounds like kind of dumb, but like, when you're from the ghetto and everybody is, you know, like, you know, half her siblings are like drug dealers and such. It's, it's not cool to be like the smart one, but I would yeah. never shrink. I was like, no, I was like, I remember people tried to bully me in like grade two. And I was like, listen, just because you're dumber than me doesn't mean we can't be friends. And like, I, and I know that sounds really harsh, but like where I came from, like you have to go that hard or you are just going to be the geeky kid that gets a beat. So I would say that's where my personality comes from. Cause I was just like, I am not, gonna like whittle away because you feel insecure because I'm just that awesome um <laughs> and then um, I would say where it helped me later in life was actually when I came out of the closet I was already so used to not being ashamed of who I was that when I came out I was like guess what here's another thing um and I think it helped my community because it wasn't just like a random gang member somebody like coming out it was like you know like they knew me they had been like holding me up as this example in the community for so long. So for them, like, so once I came out, if they were just to flip and be like, oh, just because he's gay, he's totally evil. Like that'd be like so ridiculous. So I think it kind of that'd helped. Be, that's not unheard of that that happened, <laughs> <laughs> but that's great that it didn't happen to you. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. would say that's sort of my journey of overachieving. It was just, I was just naturally the best at everything, um, which like, listen, this is... Humility is not one of my not one nope. of my strengths. But like I said, it's because of the way I grew up. People wanted to make me feel ashamed, and I just decided, literally in grade two, I am not feeling ashamed for my for my success. Humility is not, and this is why sometimes you see like NBA players, and you're like, why are they like just so bragging all the time? It's because to get out of there, you have to be that egotistical, like you have to be that unashamed of your success. Because, like, you know, it's the crowds yeah. in the bus. This explains all of rap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm rich. I bought this. I bought that. I want yeah. ah. You know, like, honestly, if some, like, middle-aged white dude was saying that to me, I'm like, oh, you son of a <laughs> <laughs> But is that just, like, a fake it till you make it mentality? Like, so even if you don't actually have that confidence, exuding it or, I don't know, portraying it will eventually make you believe that you have it? Kind of no, like no. smile even when you're not happy and you'll have better days type of thing. Do you no, think no. it was kind of no, like that? No, because I would say in like in the ghetto, um, it's like the worst thing you can be called is fake, like not genuine. Yeah. Like yeah, it could like, be a real one. Yeah, like, I just learned that term. Yeah, like, I'm old. 
like, like people can like call you not nice and call you racist and call you anything. It's never like a bad insult. But if they're like, you're a fake ass bitch, that's like the number one insult. And like, so yeah. there's no fake until you make it like, you just want to be an ass bitch, but you don't want to be a fake <laughs> ass bitch. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, they can tell the difference if you're genuinely confident in who you are, or if you're trying to fake it till you make it. So I would say that's definitely not a good strategy, but like, I actually am that conceited. <laughs> so that was very helpful. You can back it up though. It's, it's important that you can back it up. Like, I think. You know, like, I feel like I'm pretty confident as well. Although I am the opposite of you where I'm not like, you know, I, I, I don't brag in the same way. I let other people do it for me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I think, you know, like it, the confidence comes from knowing you've put in the work. You know, I think that's that's where, for me anyways, the confidence comes from, like, I know I put in the work to be good at what I'm good at. I'm not good at everything. And when I'm not good at something, I'm not confident because I have not put in the work, I have not prepared, and I know that, oh shit, if I get through this, it's going to be luck. Right. But I generally try to put, not to put myself in those situations because I'm aware enough of what I can and cannot do yeah. that I, I should not be caught unawares. But like, but yeah, that's... You know, I think that's that, really at the end of the day. I mean, we're Asian, right? We we put in the work, and I think that's what that's the thing. Like, again, like I think that's the thing my parents really gave me was my work ethic. Yeah, it was right. just like they're like, look, do, do whatever you want to do, but you got just whatever you do, work hard at it. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think too. Like, there's two sides of it. Like, I'm I'm very confident, egotistical because I believe in myself, and I actually do think I have that talent. And like you said, I work hard for it. But you know, as, as both of you know, like I'm also very critical of myself. Like even like the early episodes of the Rice Podcast, like when we were going over notes, like I shared literally. You know, here's where I sucked. Here's where I. You know, I. You know, I don't finish sentences before I start the next sentence. I'm looking away. Like, so it's like, it's not just one sided. It's like, I'm also extremely critical of myself as well. And sometimes people yeah. don't see that part. Um, but I feel like well, if that's you the only perfectionism. Have one, that's the high standards yeah. that we have. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because of the overachieving, whatever it is, but like, I had the same thing. Like, I'm sure, like, I, like back in school, like I was a nightmare to work in on projects, right? Because yeah. like, because my I always felt like my standards were higher. Like I'm sure I'm still a nightmare now. Like I've, you know, it's just like you, Vong. Like you, it's so you, you want to control everything because mm-hmm. you want to make sure everything's done to the level that yeah, you want it to be done at. Because this is this is it's your reputation, right? And yeah. it's face. It's all about face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of group projects, there's a funny joke that I came across a few years back. It was a quote that said, uh, when I die, I want the people that I did group projects with to pour me into the ground so they can let me down one last time. Yeah, (laughs) I've heard that one. Cool. cool. So so let's uh, let's head on over to to uh, Jennifer. And what was your experience been? in your life on feeling the pressure to overachieve? Well, it's pretty much on par with uh, you and Leonard, but you know, you guys talk about how you kind of naturally overachieved. I think this naturalness is just this innate work ethic or drive to in Asian culture, because if you look at history, that's almost, you know, systemic to our culture, the way racism is just systemic in the police force, right? Like, it's just there. Like, before time. It, it, and we take for granted that it exists, but it gets passed from generation to generation. If you look at our family history, um, what our parents had to do to get us to, uh, I know, or what their parents had to do to leave Asia, China, you know, Laos to come to Canada, if you trace it back, like all that stuff really does get passed down. Like you, you look at the Vietnam War, you look at what happened to the Korean woman during World War II, all that, like you can see it in today. Like a lot of the Korean women that I meet have this, I'm not saying it's all from the comfort woman situation when, you know, the Japanese soldiers like took 80% of them during World War II and made them sex slaves, or even the Vietnam War and how, like, a lot of downtown Vietnamese people in Toronto are gangsters because of that, like, or why you people are like, oh, they complain about Black people feeling entitled. And then you trace it back, and it's like, fuck, of course they would be. 
Like, yeah. look what they went through, right? Like history and slavery. So I think this work ethic thing, this struggle has always been there. Like if, if you look at China, 5,000 years of history and the Great Wall, like that seventh wonder of the world, they created that, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think my- thing, like, The Asians, they don't overachieve. They just achieve. They said they're going to build a wall, they build a wall. <laughs> not like America. America is underachieving. <laughs> they're going to build a wall. I don't see no fucking wall. <laughs> Projects diminish. They'll just keep telling lies and, I don't know, taxing. Putting America is the fake-ass bunch right? in yes. this scenario. I don't know. So growing up, I think that it was just expected that there, there's this notion that you have to pay your parents back, right? Mm -hmm. Like they put you on this earth, they feed you. So you better work hard and make money so that you can take care of them when they're older. There's this whole mentality of respecting your elders. So that got drilled into me early on. Um, but also in school, like, I don't know, I was competitive. I wanted to be number one. And um, my father had this theory that like, hey, if, if your kids are doing well in school, just like in the movie that we're going to review today, if they're doing well in school, it like being good at academics was my beard for being like a trashy party girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is I that what it, is that why you did well in school though? Like, because you're like, oh, I need to maintain no. this identity. No, or, no, no it, it was just like it was just like a nice bonus that I was like, nah, I can just be a degenerate because I have straight A's. <laughs> exactly, it was like you know what? My dad thinks that I'm good. I can maintain this. I enjoy having this sense of power and control. Like it gave me the control that I didn't have over my like messed up Jerry Springer family. So I was addicted to that element of I can put in this many hours. I can color my ass off and like get close to a hundred percent in a subject and be like, and get this attention from my teachers and my classmates. If I put that work into it, if I go that extra step and that was addictive to me. It wasn't even like the education that I was getting. It was just like, let's make this a game. Like collecting, you know how when you're a kid and you collect stars, like that reward yeah, yeah. system, that feedback, so that's what it was like for me. And that allowed me to like drop ecstasy at 14 and like, you know, go to the, hang out with Asian gangster boyfriends and like go to rage. explains so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lana. Of course it does. <laughs> no, the ecstasy, just the ecstasy at 14. I'm just like, God damn, like that fucks up a brain, my friend. I know. Well, <laughs> like how much ecstasy did you drop? Because like I do, ex I did a lot of ecstasy in my twenties and it fucked me up for a while. <laughs> yeah. I do a lot, but like, you know, it was, oh, it was so hot during the days. Like I went to government. Remember when government oh, was open? Nothing good ever happened in government. Government with a U, by the way. Was it? I think I don't know. It was horrible. I'm so glad that place is gone. Could you imagine right now? Right now, if government was still open, like how much mm. COVID would be coming out of that fucking place? <laughs> Light shows in your face. Get your away. Oh, this is a for those who are listening, government is this club, I guess we'll say in Toronto. Uh, and it's like it's uh, near the waterfront. It's like on Lake uh, Queens Cape, I think, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. just yikes. It's a cesspool of every <laughs> oily body degenerate from like the early 2000s. Like, seriously, so you just go to the middle, you take a spin around, you'll be just like, okay, well, that person, that's see, that person's definitely in a K hole. That person is like, I don't know what the hell they're on. It's just like, it was nonsense. It was nonsense. Uh, just sort of, just sort of, um, you know, I'm um, I'm veering off of uh, perfectionism for for just a little bit. You know, a related topic is is like rivalries, right? Because sometimes you're trying to overachieve, you're trying to be the best, but sometimes somebody else wants to be that too. So, like, sort of, how did that play into your life growing up? Let's start with Jennifer. Yeah, I was super competitive. Like, I would have like good friends, and I would. Every time we got a test back or a report back, I would compare my marks and like secretly hate them for doing better than me. <laughs> like that was like, and I felt so bad because like this was my friend, but I was also super jealous. Like, why are they beating me in English lit? You know, or, or like I was really, really competitive, and um, it's affected me in my daily life now to the point where it's like this hamster wheel that I can't get off. Ah, the Okidonic treadmill. <laughs> Just chasing that carrot. I and yeah. I don't know. Like, it's rough, man. You got to get off that. Oh, see, you're especially in, especially in the industry you're in. You, yeah, entertainment. Bad for your mental health. No, and it's really led to my uh, demise. But I think I'm on a better path now. Like, 
therapy has helped for sure. But I still can't get over the fact that if I die before I achieve my goals and dreams, it will mean that my life is worthless. And it's a very sad mentality to have. Like I look at- You keep moving the goalposts, I assume, right? You achieve a thing and then you're like, oh, but now I gotta get this other thing. And if I die before I get that other thing, oh no. Like I mean, it never ends. Look, Leonard, I know it's the secret to like, it's not gonna make me happy, but yet I cannot stop. Like (laughs) they're like, I don't know how to put it. Like my sister, right? I compare myself to her a lot, even though we're like in very different kind of fields. She's a filmmaker. She has won like two Peabody's. There's huge news coming up for her. She just got elected to be vice chair of the Directors Guild of Canada. And I look at her accolades and I feel so illegitimate because all my stuff was in Asia. And I feel like even the world today, like everyone puts North America, North American success on a pedestal. Like, mm-hmm. look, I look at you, Leonard. I'm like, oh my God, he's done JFL. He's done Winnipeg Comedy Festival. I've only done my shitty Comedy Central a- Asia. And Asia is the asterisk on it. Even though CGTN, like my old channel, was, was like the biggest, largest broadcaster in the world. I know when I come back to North America, people look down on it because it's China and it's communist. And so I feel like I'm never going to be able to, play catch up now that I'm back in Toronto and reestablishing myself. And that doesn't just, it's not just a career wise. And I blame feminism for that. But as a woman, <laughs> you want so much more because you're like, no, I got to be still the perfect freaking tiger mom on top of being like the success that I was destined to be because I was valedictorian twice. And that's what my family, that's what the people that didn't believe in me that I need to prove them wrong. Like that's the drive. Like I need to validate my worth by being somebody and it's a very sad cycle to be in and i am in it but i'm realizing that you know what that's not when you're on your deathbed it's not how hard you work necessarily or what job you had it's like the people you loved were you loved and how much did you love like that's the number one people in hop what they say when they're in hospice so i don't know yeah you need a hug from robin williams (laughs) No, I'm jealous of you, uh, Leonard. I am. I'm jealous of you. I'm envious of you. I'll just say that right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, my life is great. So I. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So you should be. Everything's great. (laughs) You're so smart. Like every time, like our friend Emily is like, "Oh, Leonard's such a great writer." I'm like, "What about me?" (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Emily's also a very great writer. Don't don't sell her short either. I mean. I mean comedy. You know what I mean? Like she is a great writer, and I'm jealous of her too that she's a journalist and I'm not anymore. So (laughs) jealous of everybody. Yeah, you know what the funny thing is? Like I've never. So I grew up in very competitive environments, not just in academics, but in but in sports as well. So I pretty much like before COVID started, I was playing sports like six times a week. Like I just any sport you can imagine, I was playing it in high school. You know, I. You know, I I won a bunch of city championships in different sports and such. But for me, like, even though I grew up in in competitive environments, or maybe because I grew up in competitive environments, I've got a pretty healthy outlook. Because number one, you mix the competitiveness with just my giant ego. And it's hard for me to be jealous of anybody in Toronto because it's like, <laughs> so, okay. So, so let's, so let's take comedy for an example. I, 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 I actually had this conversation with Jennifer before about, you know, like different people, you know, having their different specials on different networks. And for me, I was like, listen, I like, of all the people who are doing all these things, JFL and all that, like I know a ton of people who've done every festival and got every credit in Canada that you can get and they're living with their mom or they're living in an apartment with six other comedians, which is cool. Like I get it. That's like the starving artist life. But for me, I'm like, I'm not competing against people in Canada. Like wait, like for, for the for the um, for the Chinese New Year show, like I wasn't competing against, oh, who are the Toronto people doing for their specials? What's C B C doing? I was like I'm competing with Chris Rock. I'm like, I'm looking at these Netflix fucking specials. What is Chris Rock doing? What is like the new Eddie Murphy thing doing? What did Ali Wong do? Like, honestly, I'm so egotistical. I'm not even thinking about people here. Like, I'm trying to get to the top. I'm not even <laughs> worried about people getting their thing here. Because for me, the only credit that matters to me is selling out Madison Square Garden. Selling out Massey Hall. I don't care what festival. Like, for me, I'm, like, thinking so far beyond that, like... By the way, this is where Jennifer and I are learning that we were competing with Chris Rock during that New Year special. (laughs) I was like, fuck. Yeah, but no. But, but like... (laughs) I'm all right. 
was like, oh shit, I was competing against Chris Rock. Yeah, but, like, oh, but, the- <laughs> but like, if 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 you take a look at like the production values, the lighting, the setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it was it was incredible. Yeah. When it comes out, everybody has to go watch it. Um, and this is the, and this comes back down to Vong's perfectionism, right? Because Vong wants things to be a certain way and i think that's awesome and i love working with vong for that exact reason most of the time i work with people and then i'm just like I'm, i just should do this myself because i'm just going to fix what you're doing i don't have to worry yeah. about that with vong it's so yeah. nice <laughs> yeah no like you know yeah like i said i'm i'm trying to get to the top and i'm egotistical enough to think that i belong there and so anything that anybody does in toronto you know doesn't really and not even looking down on them, because for me, the the other side of it too is because I grew up in 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 sports. I sort of have like this weird mentality of like, um, you know, the biggest sports scenes people break out together. Like if you think of whenever a country wins, you know, fastest man in the world, the one hundred meters, they almost yeah. always win the silver as well. And they almost always win the team gold as well. It's a very difficult to break through on your own. And even in comedy, you know, with, you know, with uh, SCTV, um, Saturday Night Live, all these things, like when there's a really strong scene that's created, then everybody kind of breaks through. So it's like, for me, if, you know, like if Leonard becomes a superstar, if Jennifer becomes a superstar, if Cassie becomes a superstar, I'm like, great. Now I know a superstar. I'm not like, oh no, they made it before me. I'm like, okay, I won't pick up the phone. I'm be like, okay, bitch, let's do some shit together. So for me, yeah. I don't really have that mentality. And then I'll just say one final thing. So I'm kind of going on long as well, but like, I'm also good with compartmentalizing competition because, you know, there are sometimes, as much as I try and avoid direct competition with people, sometimes there is only one spot and you're competing with somebody else. And for me, um, I remember a good example of this was when I grew up, I, I, I used to play badminton um, 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 like for the provincial championships. And in the semifinals, I played my cousin. And I, I beat him like 21-0 and he was crying and all this. And then his mom came over and she was like, you couldn't give him a point? Like, this is, this is. You gotta earn that point. What do you mean give him a point? This is not how this world works. Stop. Yeah. So come on, man. Toughen up, cousin. Yeah, so for me, in the middle of a competition, I will like be cutthroat. I will like step on your throat until you bleed. But then afterward, we just went out and like got some fun and it was totally cool. So I'm very good with like. Going hard at something, but then like flipping it off too. The game is the game, man. Like it's, I, but I think you're absolutely right. Like you need a rival, man. I, so I watch all this like Japanese anime, and they're very big on like rivals. <laughs> like that's how yeah. like like people, especially like the sports animes. Although I watched this one, it's called Hikaru no Go, and it's about this like boy who's like haunted by a go, oh, a, a go master. Have you seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've read so the good. Manga. But it's all about rivalry, right? So it's like. Tuya and then uh, Hikaru. And then, so these two are like rivals and they make each other better. But I think what's important is that you're not competing against that person. That person is somebody who is there to help you compete yeah. against yourself. And I think if that's the healthy way to do it, like if you're just like, oh, I got to beat the shit out of this dude. Yeah. What happens if you beat him? Well, then you just move on to the next one. Move, on, And then you just have to keep finding new people to, to beat. Yeah. You know, then, then it's one punch, man. You get real bored. Yeah, one thing I like, I'll make a confession to both of you and to everybody who is on race. So, also Ron Jossel and Cassie Cow. Um, the reason why I wanted you guys on there was a bit of a competitive fuel, but out of, out of respect, because I knew I would be so worried about the lighting, about the directing, about the ticket sales, and all this stuff. But I knew if I had to go on stage, with the four of you, if I didn't bring my absolute best because I respect you so much, I would be the forgotten one. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be the forgotten ass bitch on my own show. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I need to, I need to stack this show with the people I respect the most because then I, I can't get distracted because if I get distracted and not bring my best... I'm going to look like a damn fool because, like I said, that's like a murderer's row. Like, obviously, Ron, obviously, Cassie, and the both of you. Like, if I don't bring it, like, with and my friends and family, and you know Asians, like, they don't care if if they came to see you. If you suck, they will boo you off the fucking stage. <laughs> like, they don't, they don't care. They'll be like, yeah. They have standards. 
Yeah, nice. they'll be like, they'll be like, yeah, you know, the Jennifer girl was good, but why did you suck, Vong? Like, what the hell? You should have put her last. Like, you know, like, they'll, like, literally say that shit to me. So I knew. So, like, it was out of respect for the four of you because I was like, if, if I don't put the absolute fucking best, then I'm just going to get drowned in the other parts. And I could not, like, I was literally shaking before I went on. I was like, I better deliver because these bitches delivered and this crowd is hot and I do not want to be the forgotten bitch. <laughs> Forgot. That was a really good crowd. That was insane. That was an amazing Like, really, it was perfect. Thank yeah. you for, yeah. Yeah, so just as a um, uh, follow-up to our listeners, well, we're wrapping up the, um, our main topic now, but um, the the concert film um, for Rice that was taped um, at, at Glenn Gould Studio, we're still working on post-production. We kind of just slowed it down because... We were going to get it ready for festival submissions this May, but because, you know, the world kind of went bananas, we're going to wait until the next cycle for, which is basically next May, to put it in for submissions. But yeah, hopefully it gets accepted into uh, some of these festivals and then we'll make our big screen debut because honestly, that's that's my big dream, like to get all of us on the big screen. Um, so anyway, that wraps up our uh, overachieving and perfectionism. Um, and now let's go to our hot topics. Um, now, oh, while I'm transitioning, I want to give a shout out to Joe Malaski, who mentioned, oh, his friend actually died at government from taking bad ecstasy. So, oh, God. shit. So <laughs> there you That's go. That's how shitty government is. It, it ended lives. So my condolences. Yeah. Uh, Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll also give a shout out to, to one of my childhood friends. Johnny just died um, of, I think, some type of um, blood clot. I think the family just found out yesterday. So, um, you know, grew up with him. He was from Saskatoon. And he also lived in Red Deer when I was going to uh, University of Calgary. So very close family friend. Um, my hearts go out to the family. Um, and yeah, so... Uh, Switching topics totally. <laughs> and, Asian uh, comedy. And the uh <laughs> and we're actually gonna gonna throw this over to, to Jennifer for her hot topic. Totally you know what we have a new section is new segment for Rice Podcast is our in memoriam segment. Yes. <laughs> so every week we're just gonna talk about people who died. I think we should just do that. Oh also it should be like in uh I don't know if you guys seen that sketch show like I think you should leave. Great sketch shows on Netflix. But they do like a they have like the best baby of the year. They have in memoriam all these babies who died. Actually, like, <laughs> they grew up. They grew up. They grew up. So they're like some of them died of old age. One of them got pancaked by a truck. It's oh. great. It's it's like why don't you need to tell us how they died? That's not normal in one of these segments. So funny. But yeah, we should totally do that next week. Next week. Let's just like well, the dead baby thing oh well, man you know i i did i think some of the listeners don't know but when i um when i first started comedy i had been working at the local newspaper writing the obituary section for about a decade so i do tend to veer into into death a little bit more than i more than i should but that being said um i see jennifer's had her um little uh, swig of wine you think she's had time to recover and now um it is uh it is time for Jennifer's hot topic, very unrelated to death. It is about Cardi B's. <laughs> it is about Cardi B's hot new video, um, WAP, which of course stands for wet ass pussy. Um, take it away, Jennifer. Wow, dead. I didn't know dead. that you uh, spelling out the acronym so uh, <laughs> wet ass pussy, yes. So Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, rapper Megan Thee Stallion, they dropped their new song and video, I guess, last Friday. And it's been getting some mixed reviews, to say the least. So I first heard about the song because my husband, uh, we were just, I was, we were talking about songs. He went in the washroom, he's like, oh my God, I just listened to the most, <laughs> like, vile, dirty song. Like, really? What is it? And he plays it for me. And in case some of our viewers haven't heard it, okay, it's... Capital W A P, and like Vong said, it stands for. I've been listening to this song womp, on womp, repeat, womp. and I think I think I can karaoke it pretty good now. <laughs> Just, <laughs> their rap styles down, but this is the explicit. There's some holes in this house. 
There's some holes in this house. There's some holes in this house. Certified free. Seven days a week. Wet ass pussy. Make that pullout game weak. Yeah. 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 You fucking with some wet ass pussy. In the fucking animal for that ass pussy. Give me everything you for this ass pussy. Okay, anyways, uh, the lyrics, okay, they didn't even write the song. Like, I was going to give them credit for writing this super feminine, like, women empowerment song. You could argue well, I was Dr. Seuss, clearly. That was a Dr. Seuss joke. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, some of these lyrics are just so ingenious. Like, like what Jennifer just said. Like, they rhymed "wop" with "get a bucket and a mop." (laughs) That's so clever. And then in one of the parts, please stop. No, no. Lyrics, okay. Extra large and extra hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Oh, you, you know what? My 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 favorite metaphor that they used for their for their wet ass pussy was when um, was when Cardi B called her WAP. She called it her her uh, Dasani Punani. <laughs> I was like, that's just genius. That is just genius. No, but it's just so good. Like, I just look. I know it's pretty pretty. The 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 clean version they they change it to wet and gushy. Okay, <laughs> okay what are we playing with play doh now? Like Jello? What's going on? Um, yeah, Jello is forever unclean, guys. Just to be- <laughs> so what happened was recently this uh, Republican congressman hopeful um, in Los Angeles, he tweeted James P. Bradley. Okay. He said, I accidentally listened to the song and I want to read you what he tweeted. Okay. He said, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are what happens when children are raised without God and with, without a strong father figure. <laughs> Their new song WAP, which I heard accidentally made me want to pour holy water in my ears. And I feel sorry for future girls. If this is their role model. That's literally the only way he's going to ever experience a WAP is if he douses it with holy water. <laughs> you know what? I, I will stick up for Cardi B here because I think she is a really good role model. Like, she's actually – I would actually say she's, like, super genius level. Like, I don't think people even understand. Like, when she goes on her rants about stuff – and she'll go on rants yeah. about, like, socialism. Around and, like And, like uh, – you know, like, uh, yeah, like um, Leonard mentioned, coronavirus, you know, uneven taxation of the rich. Like, she's going after really, really heavy topics, and she might be, like, just screaming it out, but she's actually really, really smart in what she says. Like, really, should, really There's smart. a guy who takes her rants and sets the, and, like, plays piano <laughs> to them. Ah, uh, that's so And funny. it's freaking brilliant. No, I just, I think that, like, I can see why my husband's like, look, I don't because I raised the argument with him. I said, look, I think this is women reclaiming their sexuality and their power Mm -hmm. and being front about it. Like you have men, rap artists, guys singing songs about, you know, champagne club and then like, you know, like like rapping about females and Mm -hmm. objectifying them. But when women objectify themselves, isn't that just like us being like using the word chink and being okay with it, like owning that, like taking it back. So I know the video is sexualization. I know it's like talking about sugar daddies and like, you know, your wet ass pussy is going to get your coat in your phone and a house and a car. (laughs) But so what? that's obviously their consensual choice, you know, but I, I know like, See, I'm a bit biased because I have three sons. If I had a daughter and she was 12 and she's listening to this, would I be comfortable with that? And right now as a mom, as like this mom that just had like a mommy makeover like, and who's feeling her sexuality, I'm like perfectly okay with it. But I think if I had a 12-year-old daughter, I might be like, yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know. But I still feel I'm more on the side of it's an empowering song than it is like, a negative song and i know the music video the only thing i will critique it is they did use wild animals they used big cats in the music video and i know they were like green screened or cgi'd into it but you don't know what kind of like 
big cat pimp they're getting these poor cats in because these exotic animals like we saw in tiger king they represent this unattainable exclusivity of the rich and famous and i guess that's like wow my pussy's so good it's like this tiger that you can never get or this leopard but i think it's still exploiting animals so that's the only kind of really negative thing you can attack it for other they're than comparing that, their pussy to a giant pussy there you go very <laughs> literal very literal you know, the, 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 there. the other thing i'll say too is like you know ever since cardi came out she's always talked about empowering more female rappers because before her really there was just one queen of female rap for like the past decade we all know who they you know she ended who? up throwing her shoe at her um and, wait who, uh, who, who, who i i'm so out of like Nicki i don't Minaj. know anything about Bob Goldger. who is this queen of female rap that you yeah. speak of Nicki Minaj. yeah Nicki minaj and you know credit to but her wait, wait, wait. okay so hold on because like this is Nicki minaj is like so that's like like i'm older so we, like eve does nobody remember eve no. no, no, Eve. Okay, so before Nicki Minaj, there was at least like a five-year yeah. gap where music, um, where the music industry was not pushing any female rappers at all. So then Nicki came and she dominated for like, you know, almost like a decade by herself. And there's this whole thing of there can only be one. Um, and so as soon as Cardi came out, she really said, she's like, you know what, there needs to be more. I'm going to like really highlight, you know, more female rappers. Like it can't just be me. She's like, it needs to go back to the days of, you know, like, you know, like way back when, um, when there was like more, when there was like, you know, Debrat and, um, oh also, yeah, yeah Debrat, Debrat and I guess, uh, Missy, right? Yeah. Queen Latifah. So Cardi was just like, yeah, we need more. Not you, Iggy. <laughs> yeah. And like, and so. No, little Kim, little Kim was like the oh, yeah. first Cardi B of back in the day with the boobies out. Oh yeah, Lil Kim, like like for sure, Nicki Minaj took a lot of tips from Lil Kim as far as like the colorful hair and you know, all that kind of stuff. So yes. For Lil Queen Kim, Latifah when she was a musician. Yeah, Queen mm -hmm. Latifah for sure. You know, you and ITY, I love that song. And actually Megan the Stallion reminds me a lot of young Queen Latifah. Like I think yeah. I think her So she's Princess Latifah. Yeah, so and I, I think she's a lesbian. Is she? I don't know. Didn't she yeah. get shot in the foot by her boyfriend? Like, Wait, maybe well, that's why she's a lesbian. <laughs> 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 I can't even aim. <laughs> I had to go for somebody who knows how to hit somebody where he's supposed to hit him. Can't so, even aim. Is it? Can't find a shoot me in the chest you feel my foot can't find a clip there's no goddamn way <laughs> and so, so just to finish off that point one thing i really liked about this video is like she brought on like you know ruby rose mulatto sukihana and then rosalina normani like she not all of them are rappers um yeah. you know but she, she wasn't afraid to share the spot i'm talking about the people in her video sorry yeah, and, and then she um and then if you look at a lot of the interviews she's giving, um, she's actually mandating that they don't just interview her. They're like interviewing everybody that was in the video. So she's really giving um a real big bump to like these new um to these new rap artists. And all people can nice. focus on is like that she put fucking Kylie Jenner in the video. Like, hello, can we just like relax? Yeah, like, you know what, so so for people who don't know, people are mad that Kylie Jenner's in the video, and they're like, oh, because, you know, the Kardashians are appropriating black culture, whatever. I will say, like, at least they're not even white, they're Armenian, or they're half-white. Huh. So I was like, and okay. And Kylie Jenner solved police brutality with a Pepsi, so that's, there's that. Oh, no, that, I, that, that, that Kendall. That was, was that Kendall? Kendall, yeah. I don't, I don't, they're all the same. All <laughs> Kardashians look the same to me. Yeah, but, but like, but like. different, but I would say, like, Armenian people, like, not a lot of people know that there was an Armenian genocide, like, back in the day. So yeah, it's not as if... Is that not common knowledge? No. I think it is. No, most people don't even know what Armenians are. Um, but, you know, but the thing was, like, people were saying, oh, how come... Kylie got to walk in the hall like a pimp, like she owned the place. But then you had like the black girls being like the prostitutes in the room. And then she was uh, like, and then she was like, listen, Normani is one of the best dancers in the world. So I had that bitch dance. She was like, Kylie's one of the best models in the world. So I had her walk down a hall. She's like, what do you want me to do? Like get Normani to walk down a hall and open a door? Like that's stupid. She's a dancer. She got to dance. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I feel you, Cardi. I feel you. I feel you. I got your back. 
<laughs> Have me on your next video, please. I can twerk. I can twerk, girl. Um, okay, so moving on. It's to all our... about that twerk epic. <laughs> moving on to our next hot topic um, is I want to congratulate Asians everywhere because our girl Kamala Harris is going to be the next president of the United States, the first Asian president. And I, and yes, I did say president, not VP. You because, just assume Biden's going to die midway through his term. Oh, we know. Okay, this girl got a plan. There's no way that Biden's making it all the way through. This girl is way too committed to get to president. She and If something happened to Biden, would anybody really think foul play? They'd just be like, no, that bitch is old. Kamala, do it. Do it for the Asians. I know you're only half Indian. You're half black, but we're claiming you because yeah. there's it's like really we claimed no Tiger Woods until all the cheating, then we gave him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so congratulations to Kamala. Congratulations to all the Asians. And I just know you're going to represent. Um, any comments from our panelists? I think it's just going to be real interesting watching uh, the GOP and Fox News just like have their heads explode when they try to criticize her criminal justice record when she basically did all the things that they would have done anyways. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I will say she does have a bit of a troublesome record of like incarcerating black men specifically for, um, for weed offenses. And she was very much against California legalizing weed. But to me, that's like her biggest thing. And it is a thing, obviously putting black men in jail, disproportionately is not a good thing to be known for right now, Kamala. But um, I will say I still love her. Everybody, everybody has warts. She hasn't apologized for it yet. I, I do think she needs to come out and apologize. But I love the way that she really took it to Biden in one of those debates, really like, you know, hammered it home that he was like best friends with a white supremacist. But now, you know, she's such the clear choice that he still had to choose her bitch ass anyway. That's called excellence. Like It was nice that what he said, because when he was asked why he chose her, he said, I need somebody who's going to call me out on black issues. I'm like, good, because you need that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, call oh, really? <laughs> No, but I, I think that she worked with his son and that they... She, Biden was like, oh, I saw how they worked together to, you know, topple the banks and work to protect women and children from abuse and mm. all this other stuff. So they obviously... They toppled banks? I, they seem to still be around. <laughs> corrupt banks or some shit like that. I have no idea. I read the article very briefly. But I don't know. Like, I just find it kind of, like, extreme tokenism. I'm not... I'm sorry. I know that, like, yes, it's great to have a woman who is Black and Asian be represented. But when it's a one white guy saying, I'm going to have all my the women that I'm going to choose from, they're all going to be like, I get it, but it just seems like what, like he's the madam and he's picking like which black woman he's going to like, elect. Oh, there was one white woman. There was, but something uh, about that just felt like Elizabeth so, Warren, yeah. so like not even affirmative action, but just kind of like, wow, yeah, look at me with my male power. Like, yes, it's good. Let's admit it. It's good. But yeah. I just didn't like how that, there was that initial like, ugh. Yeah, it was like, well, wow. how how would you have done it? Like, well, what, how how should he have done it? Like, what, what would you have done? I don't know. Maybe it's just him. <laughs> well, I mean, he he does. Yeah. I think the fact that it was almost like I don't know. It, there's no nice way to say it, right? Yeah. But I think he had one white woman, and then the rest were like women of color, and that's okay. But like, it was almost like when you do it like so. I don't know. I can't I can't find the words for it. It's almost like when you do it so blatantly and just kind of like, yeah, it's fake. It seems dis like not genuine because didn't he say something like, oh, if you support Trump, then you're not really black. Like he made a comment like that. Oh, he's he's said a lot of crazy shit. He's even even this week. He said something like uh, Latino communities, unlike black communities, are very diverse. (laughs) He's like black. He's basically saying black people are like monolithic. So he says a lot of crazy shit, um, which is why I do think he needs. I think he's right. He does need somebody to call him out. And Kamala has shown that she will call him out. And I think that, you know, I definitely get what you're saying, Jennifer. But I think like. No, it's the choice. I'm I'm just yeah. saying 
I think it's because I have a problem with who he is. And when I see him doing something like that, it just doesn't feel like it's definitely the right way to do it. Okay. Yeah. But coming from him just feels like it's, it's kind of like Trump. Okay. Here's my example. It's kind of like Trump um, going hard on China, but we know that he had like, that's what America should do. Right. Mm -hmm. Because based on, you know, human rights issues and all that stuff, and what's been happening, but because it's Trump and we know he's a fucking racist, we don't align our support and perspective with him. And I'm not saying Biden's like Trump, but I'm saying once you see a person and what their motive and what, I don't know. You sure, just, but Biden, Biden has had a lot of black support for a while. Yeah, uh, but that's kind of like winning a popularity contest. Like well, that's, I mean, that's what that's politics, man. <laughs> politics is incentive that is literally a popularity contest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then it's like just collecting fucking Pokemon. Like, oh, I'm gonna collect this many of this people so that I get that vote. And it's just like I know that's politics in the US, and I just think it's sad. That's yeah. all. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely get what you're saying, and it is a little bit of tokenism, but I, I will say that the reason why I'm not as upset is number one is to me Kamala Harris at the beginning of the of the of the democratic process to yeah, to find her nominee she was really in a lot of people's minds the best candidate um, yeah. and so she's way more than qualified and so he didn't just choose like some you know woman of color he could, he could control he chose somebody who probably will be more popular than him. Like she just, oh, yeah. she just chose I'm the wrong I'm more excited team. about her than I am about him. I think most people are. Yeah. He's and, not an exciting candidate. Nobody's like, ooh, no. Joe Biden. But he's thinking that. Like, you these politicians go. Like Mitch McConnell is married to Elaine Chow, who's a oh, freaking no. evil, backstabbing Uncle Tom Asian. Uncle Tom Yum Gong, I call them. <laughs> Uncle Tom Yum Gong Asian. And so I'm just like sick of white people like getting allies with people of color to say, hey, look at me. I'm OK now. Yeah. To you be know, to be fair, I will say that he was used as the token white person for Obama. I was literally about to say <laughs> Because Obama needed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Barack Obama, people felt like he people would be really scared of a black president so he had to choose like the whitest most conservative democrat he could find so biden kind of was the, he was the, the token, token, token? so now he gets a token he gets a free token for being a token what the <laughs> you, chuck e cheeses would you prefer that biden chose another white dude would you prefer biden chose like a pence or like the democrat version of the pence he made the right choice but i just think that like a shift it's just like when you see through the shit, it's just like, oh, how could you even? Yeah. OK, I'm done talking about. This. <laughs> OK, cool. Uh, once again, congratulations to Kamala Harris. Um, the soon to be president Yay. of the United States. Hey, listen, girl, how... I'm looking for I'm looking yeah. for the debates between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, yeah. provided Mike Pence mother wife allows him to attend. OK, girl. <laughs> Honestly, I don't care how you get there. Just get there. In the ghetto where I grew up, our motto was lie, cheat, steal. So I don't care how you get the presidency. Do it. And we still love you. No, hopefully, Kamala being uh, the running mate, it's going to lead to just more women of color being in, in Biden's position. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. We need to have women yes. of color in more positions of power, not just being brought on by white men like let's let's change it let's and i think hopefully this is a step in the right direction so you know what biden good for you for taking charge and doing that even though you might be shady <laughs> okay thank With you jennifer for the black women is that what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah. jennifer i feel like we went through a whole journey there but uh um, there you go. Message to Kamala and Biden. Um, next, next up, and we'll try to uh, we'll try to keep these to ninety seconds um, for our final few. Um, it is Leonard's turn with his trending topic about Android apps and TikTok and a few other things. Take it away, Leonard. Um, yeah, no, but I don't know if you guys heard, but there's this uh, federal contractor called Anomaly Six, uh, mm. which basically sounds like. 
like somewhere like the Star Trek Enterprise just arrived at in like the opening voiceover. It's like we've arrived at Anomaly Six. Uh, anyways, Anomaly Six is a federal contractor, and recently it uh, became known that they've been putting tracking software into like hundreds of apps. Mm. And then they and then they have taken like, that software has been like taking data from all these phones and then they aggregate it and they sell it to the US government who is I'm mm. for sure just using it for completely innocent purposes. But that's crazy, right? Like, mm. <laughs> so we don't know which apps they are. Uh, there's no list because they don't have to disclose it. Um, so I know this isn't particularly helpful. It's like a newscast where I'm just like, hey, if you eat certain foods, your dick will fall off. Hey, how's the weather? Uh, <laughs> Sell your right. Android phone, Team Apple, all the way. This That's is not right. the first time this. Has oh yeah, happened. iOS actually. You know, now that you mentioned that Vong, like iOS came out with this. Uh, like it'll actually tell you if like things are being sent where you don't want to be sent, and mm-hmm. so it's called out a bunch of apps. But Android, hundreds of apps. Government is tracking. It gets you. Like, it's supposed to be anonymized data, but like it's enough that like they can figure out who you are. Like this for like there's enough breadcrumbs. They can figure out who you are, who you associate with, all that stuff. And the U.S. government is buying this data, doing God knows what with it, and uh, and it's totally a hundred percent legal. Yeah, so it's totally, legal. so it's a hundred percent legal. It's scary. It's a violation of privacy. Hundred percent legal. So, uh, and then another news: Trump banned TikTok <laughs> because reasons. Because <laughs> that's wrong. Because TikTok's wrong. Wait, I didn't hear about this. Did he sell it to Microsoft? No, and it's not. I mean, they're in talks. They're but they're banned right now. It's like well. From the time of the executive order, it's like 45 days. And I think if, uh, and then it'll take effect in 45 days. And then I think if during that time somebody buys it, like Microsoft, okay. then whatever. Wait. So what happens? You're in the US, you have TikTok on your phone. Yeah. What? Does it just magically disappear or stop working? No, I, uh, a sniper will shoot you in the face. No, I, I think what it is is the executive order is for U.S. companies to no longer work with TikTok. So, like, Android yeah. has to get rid of it. It's sort of like what they did with Huawei. It's like, you know, they can't ban Huawei, but they can force everybody to stop working with them so that their products are no longer functional. Like, what's a right. Huawei phone that has no cell connection that can't use Android, that can't... So they can, like, disable it in other ways. And it's and actually, I would say the bigger thing for Asians and Chinese people that's maybe getting buried in the tiktok ban oh wechat yes WeChat. oh yeah that is so bad yeah, that, that's a huge that's a huge one that's, that's a huge fuck you that's the whatsapp of uh of china and they use it for payment and everything it's, like, yeah, it's, massive. No, it's honestly the best communication app like i was using that in china i still use it to communicate with people from there and it's just it's everything in one, right? It's Facebook yeah. Messenger, it's WhatsApp, it's it's Facebook, it's Instagram. It has all the functionalities. It's, it's your wallet. It's your, you know, your scan. Like it's everything, all in yeah, one. Very nice. So it's all in one place for somebody to look at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one one thing I, I will say, just to close off this topic. One thing I will say to my fellow Asians and specifically Chinese. Um, the Chinese half of my family, um, is before everybody gets upset about the U.S. banning this and, like, President Xi is getting up all in arms on the news talking shit about the U.S. Hello, Great Firewall of China. Guess what? WhatsApp is banned in China. Google is banned in China. So, like, I don't think we can really get that mad. The reason why these other services exist is because it's an anti-competitive market in the first place. So the U.S., yes, are just sort of going... Like, listen, I, I get people can get mad at the U.S., but I'm not sure President Xi can get mad at the U.S. for doing the same thing that he Yeah, does. That he's done too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Facebook, and, Instagram, you need a VPN to access all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, basically, yeah, there's this trade war, and the only thing they're trading, it's hypocrisy. <laughs> Very nice. I like that. Okay, thank you, Leonard. Um, our next hot topic goes back to Jennifer, and it is about inappropriate car ads. Well, you know what? At the time that I saw it, I was like, ooh, that's interesting. But then I was like, meh, who cares? Um <laughs> Girl, I did the whole graphic for it and everything. And <laughs> graphics. He did graphics. Right right basically underneath it says inappropriate car ads. And as you saying, cares about car ads. <laughs> like, okay, it, let's okay, let's take it back to World War Two. Um No, <laughs> no, no, if uh, go 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 off on your tangent, whatever you whatever you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna change graphics to the generic 
rice podcast graphic. So now you can talk about anything. Okay, so no, no, no. Talk about the car. It's oh, fine. Okay. Uh, think about so Audi, the car, the German car maker, um, recently came under fire for an that they posted on Twitter, and it was of a little girl, like five year old girl, mm. holding a banana, eating a banana in front of their new. I forget what model it is. I think it's their R something. Freaking, can we just name the car and not have these letters and numbers? Like, what are we doing here? Um, okay, so it's basically a little girl eating a banana in front of the car, and uh, I'm just going to get you the name. So their their Audi is part of the Volkswagen Group, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I want to talk about it because it's okay. Their new Audi RS4, and I want to say that she's eating a banana in front of this car, and the God. wait, wait, what's she doing, and where is she? She's eating a banana she's in front of a car. In front of the car, this five-year-old girl, and she's eating a banana. She's fucking with you. And she, 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 she just had like five times. Okay, she's a little girl. She's in front of a car. She's eating a banana. Okay, sorry, go on. Just, you just wanted me to do the banana motion with my hand. Okay, no. So, what up, banana? I think it's problematic when your caption for an ad of a young girl eating a banana in front of your frigging Audi is "Let's your heart beat faster in every aspect. Yuck. Yuck. And they claim Audi's, Audi's uh, defense, first they're like, oh yeah, we're sorry, we're sorry, we didn't mean to hurt any feelings. Of course, the RS4 is a family car. We have all these things that let you relax because of its safety measures. But when you say lets your heart beat faster in every aspect, isn't that saying like if you're into fast cars and underage girls, buy our car. But like, yeah, but you gotta remember, like they're German, right? So like so I'm sure something was lost in translation. For them, they're like, oh my god, better safety features. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> boom, boom. Heart beating faster. Oh my god. Safety features. Is the car boxy? I think you're right, Leonard. It's definitely a lost in translation thing, but it's also like the safety feature. What it shows you that your car can run over a girl because the driver can't see past her head. Like she's shorter than the view of the window. So it, it was just a very stupid ad. But I want to go back really quickly to Christian. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I'll just quickly say uh, David Arnold agrees with you, Jennifer, about the commercial. He says, yeah, yuck. Yeah. And also in May, Volkswagen, their golf car, Golf 8, whatever, they come came under fire for an Instagram ad that they had of a white hand flicking a black man away from the car and into a restaurant called Le Petit Colon or something, which means like the little colony. So it was this giant <laughs> flicking a black man away from their car and into a restaurant called the Tiny Colony. Oh, yeah. To defend. <laughs> yeah, that one's a little bit harder to defend. <laughs> hard to defend, right? Okay, Ooh, ad like, agencies. I don't know if you guys saw that ad. It was in China for like dishwasher, uh, for oh, laundry yes, detergent. I saw I heard that. about that. Yeah. yeah. Put the black guy in like the... Oh. Yeah. yeah. In the, in the clothes washer and they put in the detergent he came out like as like pristine asian <laughs> like what the fuck it was it was it was Remember something that. else it was something else was, yeah yeah i just yeah. want to know like what happened in that room when they like the execs who approved it the creative team who came up with that it's just like this is gold this is gold. And then everybody was like, yeah. And then it got filmed. Yeah. The black guy who did it. Like, it like, <laughs> yeah, he's like the least at fault because I understand, but still. No, oh. totally. And then. Like, that's a sketch right there. No, really quickly. So on the on subject of manufacturers, uh, these recent troll dolls have been recalled because they contained a feature where if you press a button in the troll doll's genital area, it does these sounds like. Oh. <laughs> like these little pleasure sounds and it's basically teaching kids that like sexual abuse is okay. So that's pretty freaking weird. You know what's weird about the troll thing is like it wasn't advertised like the whole point of the troll thing is it was say things if you touched his belly but then it had this extra button. <laughs> it was like what? Like, this extra button? <laughs> Why? No, but that's like grooming. Like a pedophile must have like 
infiltrated Mattel and been like, ooh, how can I get more kids to, you know, I think it was an inside job. Oh. Well, you know what? We need to send those kids um, the vinyl album of Cardi B's WAP to to undo everything Mattel's doing and uh, teach them about the value of their own bodies. Um, I don't know about that. Wait until you're 18 till you get a wet ass pussy. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> oh my god, the lyrics are so good. I just I can't even like. She's such a genius. Like, there's this one, I know I'm sort of digressing, but there's this one lyric where she's like, hop on top, I want to ride. I'm going to do Kegels when you inside. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good rhyme, Cardi. I love you. Okay, on to our next topic. Um, our final hot topic of the day, and it's this whole thing about Trump you know, he's denying it, but that he asked um, the governor or whomever in South Dakota to get his face on Mount Rushmore. And all the news people are getting it totally wrong because they're like, they're interviewing experts about is there room to the left of Washington? Is there room to the right of Lincoln? You know, is it like an impossible ask to actually get this? I was like, do you guys not know Donald Trump? He ain't trying to be the one on the end. Okay. He, he don't want to be on the edge. He's trying to replace one of these bitches. Okay. He is not like, Oh, how's that rock formation? No, he's like, crumble down George Washington and put my face there. I'm the first Donald Trump. It would be Lincoln, though, because he'd be like, I've done more for black people. <laughs> it's like, yo, so he ended slavery. Look what I've done. I lowered unemployment. Now it's gone way back up. Ah, but I tried. <laughs> uh, anyway, this whole Trump thing. I can't even talk about Trump anymore, but um, thank you, um for those passionate hot topics um and thank you listeners for listening in we're actually doing a different thing now where we we separate the review as a special bonus episode so we're going to end this episode for you um folks listening on wednesday and so come back on the friday edition to get a review because we want you to listen to it on friday because you'll have more time to watch the actual damn movie um and yeah, um, thank you for listening and goodbye for now. Better luck tomorrow. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.